and welcome to 5MI Weekly. Today, let's talk about healthy interpersonal relationships. Simply defined, interpersonal relationships have two or more people. They can be platonic, romantic, familial, or friendships. Whereas healthy interpersonal relationships bring happiness to all involved within the relationships. Although we likely have different definitions of happiness, happiness is one thing in life we all want. As Aristotle put it, happiness is the meaning and the purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence. This seems like a pretty good deal then. Healthy relationships bring happiness, meaning, and purpose to our lives. So how do we get them? What is seen today as a cliche, the 20th century psychoanalytic theorist, Eric Fromm, was the first to argue, healthy relationships are dependent upon you authentically loving yourself. In his 1956 book, The Art of Loving, Fromm presents a five-stage theory of love that shows how you can achieve healthy relationships in your life. Each stage in Fromm's theory is dependent upon the stages before it. To have healthy relationships with your parents, you must first have a healthy relationship with yourself, meaning a stable self-esteem and a strong self-concept. To have healthy friendships, you must first have a healthy relationship with yourself and your parents. To have healthy romantic relationships, you must first have a healthy relationship with yourself, your parents, and your friends. And to have healthy ethereal relationships, you must first have a healthy relationship with yourself, your parents, your friends, and your romantic partners. People tend to blame the unhealthiness of a current relationship on the relationship itself. Whereas Fromm argues the health of a current relationship is most likely caused by the health of previous relationships with you at their bases. For example, if you're having trouble in a current romantic relationship, before blaming this trouble on your partner and the relationship itself, you may want to check in on your current self-esteem and self-concept, your true understanding of the relationships you had or have with your parents, and your empathy for your fellow human beings, whether they're friends or potential friends. To authentically love yourself and thereby have healthy relationships, you must overcome your internal conflicts. By nature, we all have internal conflicts. What you do with your internal conflicts ultimately will define the health of your relationships. For example, Psychoanalytically speaking, your personality is composed of three parts, the id, ego, and superego. Your id is driven by the basic motivators for survival, fighting, flighting, feeding, and sex. The ego is the rational part of your personality. It contextualizes id-driven behaviors within the rules of society, and the ego creates compromises between itself and the id, itself and the superego, and the id and the superego. 
The superego is your ideal but irrational conscience. It is constantly wanting what it cannot realistically have. Your id, ego, and superego are in perpetual conflicts with one another. However, by you creating and implementing compromises for them, most of these internal conflicts will be alleviated. If you are not actively creating these compromises, then the conflicts among the id, ego, and superego are likely to spill over from yourself and become interpersonal conflicts with the people you are in relationship with. For example, when the superego spills over into your relationships, it makes the people you are in relationships with feel guilty or shameful. When the ego spills over, it makes the people you are in relationships with feel stupid or confused. And when the id spills over, it makes the people you are in relationships with feel worthless or frightened. Id spillage even has the potential of causing physical or sexual harm to the people you are in relationships with. Although we have some control in forming and maintaining healthy relationships through working on our self-esteems, self-concepts, and internal conflicts, it's important to recognize most of the factors that form relationships are beyond our control. Simply put, the physics of the universe, much more so than the psychology of the universe, determine relationships. The most likely beyond our control factors determining relationship formation are proximity, time, reciprocity, and excitation transfer. The physics of proximity are simple. The physically closer you are to someone, the more likely a relationship will form. The physics of time are simple too. The longer the amount of time you are with someone, the more likely a relationship will form. Proximity and time are the primary causes for relationships forming. Driven by your conscience, the principle of reciprocity is the more things a person gives you, the more likely you will be giving this person things in return. Driven by your central nervous system, the principle of excitation transfer is the more physiologically arousing situations are when you are with a person, the more physiologically arousing you will find this person. Healthy relationships certainly require people to have things in common with one another, but they also require people to not have things in common with one another. For example, which of the relationships represented by the following three Venn diagrams is likely to be the healthiest? Often, people incorrectly select relationship one because the media and fairy tales present this I'd die without your love relationship as being ideal. However, relationship one represents a codependent relationship because the people in this relationship have near everything in common with one another. This type of relationship has no room for relationship or personal growth. And codependent relationships are often associated with pathology, dissatisfaction, and abuse. Relationship two represents the healthiest relationship. 
having things in common with the person you are in a relationship with is obviously important for relationship formation and bonding. What is not so obvious, but just as important, is having things not in common with those we are in relationships with. When shared, these not in common things allow for relationship growth, and when not shared, allow for personal growth. The most likely things people in romantic relationships have in common with one another are their ages, their races, their levels of education, religions, self-esteems, heights, constructive behaviors, intelligence, social economic statuses, attitudes, employment statuses, and levels of physical attractiveness. Interestingly, the things we have in common with our romantic partners are diverse in their biological, psychological, and sociological dimensions, and most of them are beyond our control. However, not all of these things predict healthy romantic relationships. Of all the things we can have in common with our romantic partners, only three things are predictive of healthy romantic relationships self-esteem, constructive behaviors, and attitudes. Self-esteem is whether a couple has the same levels of feelings for themselves. Attitude is whether a couple has the same fundamental beliefs. And constructive behavior is whether a couple acts in unison during times of distress and crises. When held in common, these three things help overcome the inevitable conflicts that occur within long-term relationships. Of course, every relationship is different. However, relationships with none of the aforementioned factors are likely to be unhappy, exhausting, and toxic. Whereas relationships with these factors are likely to be happy, energizing, and meaningful.